1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 15. Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And then verse 20. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. This morning we are still in the book of Samuel, but I'm also minded to think about the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And as I thought about Christ's resurrection, and still thinking upon the book of Samuel, it occurred to me that there is a picture in chapter 3 that kind of sets forth resurrection. Now, I'm being a bit different this morning. I'm looking at a picture. I'm considering a shadow, a type of our risen Lord. So I'm talking about Samuel as a type of Christ, as indeed he is. Now, you might not buy into what I'm saying this morning. You might not buy into the way that I'm saying it. But I trust that the picture and the reflection may be profitable to your soul. You see, there are verbs in this chapter, verbs that are repeated, verbs that occur also in the resurrection of Christ. And those verbs are a connection. And the Holy Spirit has intended a connection There are verbs in this chapter then that occur in the Gospels of Jesus Christ in referring to the resurrection of Jesus. For example, there is the verb to lay down. It occurs eight times in this chapter of Samuel. Very definitely it is emphasized. We are continually having before us a picture of one who is laid down. You have it there in verse 3. Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down. And then in verse 5, he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, thou callest me. And he said, I call not. Lay down again. And he went And lay down. The picture is repeated. This is a lying down man. Before he understands that he is a prophet. And then verse 9. Eli said unto Samuel. Go lie down. And it shall be if he call thee. That thou shalt say. Speak Lord for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went. And lay down. In his place. And then in verse 15, Samuel lay, he lay down until the morning. And I'm suggesting that is a picture of Christ. He lay down until the morning. And then we have the rising, the verb to rise. Verse 6. The Lord called yet again Samuel, 
And Samuel arose. He's risen. And then in verse 8, the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli. And in verse 15, while the verb arise does not occur, it is assumed because it says he lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So he has arisen and there's been the opening of the doors and his coming forth. So there's a picture here. Repeated picture. He rose and several times the actions are repeated so that it is impressed upon our minds. He is also lying down, we are told, near to the ark of God. Because it says there in verse 3, Ere the Lamb of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And that's where the voice is coming from that he hears. Samuel, Samuel. It's coming from the ark. So he's in the vicinity of the ark. Now he's not in the most holy place. No one can be in there. But he's in an outer dwelling, in the vicinity of it, and he certainly can hear a voice coming from it. The presence of the ark of God. And it was from that presence of the ark that the Lord did leave when he was coming at last to the bed of Samuel to stand over him and to speak to him that word of revelation concerning his judgment upon the house of Eli. It's introduced here because it's telling us something. It's telling us of the presence of God, where the Lord is coming from, who calls him, The ark of God makes us think of the Shekinah glory. We're thinking of the glory of the Lord. You remember when the ark was taken? What was the saying that went around? The glory is departed. This glory of God that comes to Samuel, that raises Samuel up. It was that glory that appeared to Samuel in the verse 10. And then verse 15. After the glory speaks to him. He lies until the morning. And then the doors. Are open. For him to go forth. He rises. And comes forth. Now this is like a resurrection. Laid down in sleep. Risen by the glory of God. As a prophet. And now goes out into his place to be a prophet to all Israel. And now all Israel knows throughout the length and breadth of the land that Samuel is established to be a prophet of the Lord. The one risen is established to be a prophet of the Lord. This pictures Christ's resurrection. And the verbs that occur here are repeated again and again in the description of Christ's resurrection. We have the verb to lay. We have the verb to rise. Because Christ was buried. 
Now the word buried, like we are buried today, dug a hole and covered with soil and buried in the ground. But they were buried in tombs, in open spaces, whereby they could corrupt and corrode, and then their bones could be collected into boxes. But they were laid down. And that is how Christ's burial is described. You remember that Joseph took him and the fine linen was brought and they took him down and they wrapped him in the linen and laid him in the sepulchre. It said he was laid. He lay down in the tomb. And a stone was rolled onto the door of the sepulchre. He's laid in the darkness and the door is closed. It's shut. They went to the tomb in the morning to see where he was laid. They watched where he was laid, the Bible says. But whenever he rose, they used the verb risen or arose. Being raised up out of the position of lying down, raised up out of the position of death, Christ is risen, we say. He's alive forevermore. Christ is risen indeed, the Christian church repeats. He's not here, for he is risen. Come see the place where he lay. He was laid here, but he's risen now. The door is open, the stone is removed, the sepulchre is empty, for he is risen. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are witnesses. And so God raised him up. He arose because God raised him up. And he raised him up to set him at his own right hand. The Father came and stood, as it were, over him and raised him up. How was Christ raised up? Well, the the Bible tells us several descriptions of how he was raised up. But one of them was, as given by the Apostle Paul, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. He was raised up by the glory of God. There came a brightness into the darkness. There came a light into the sepulchre. There came all the presence and power of the divine glory. The Shekinah glory. And the Shekinah glory radiated over him. And he was raised from the dead by the glory of God. That same glory that Samuel saw. The Shekinah glory from the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord stood over him. He radiated over him. He received the oracle of God. And in the morning he arose and opened the door. And went out into the world as the prophet of the Lord. And Jesus Christ was raised up by the glory of God. And he was raised up a priest. 
He was raised up a prophet. He was raised up a king. The God of our fathers, as we read, raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree, but the God of our fathers, the glory of God, raised him up, and him hath God exalted with his right hand to put at his right hand to be, to be something for the church of Jesus Christ, to be a prince, to be a saviour, to be a prophet, to be a priest, to be a king. There can be no prophet, priest and king for us poor sinners unless one is raised up to be that. And so the Bible says he was raised up by the glory of God to be a king, a priest, and a prophet. And that's how God speaks about those offices in the Old Testament. That's the verb he uses, you see. It's no accident that the Holy Spirit uses that verb. Concerning the prophet to come, I will raise them up a prophet. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, Moses. And will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And this Samuel looks like that. He's led down, he's raised up to be a prophet. But he's not the Christ. As we'll see. He could not be the Christ. There must then be another to be raised up. Who will be the prophet that we need. The prophet Christ. And then we did read in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In that oracle of the man of God. Speaking the word of God. And the Lord says I will raise me up. Here's this verb again. I will raise me up. A faithful priest. A faithful priest. That will do according to all that is in my heart. And in my mind. And I'm going to build him a sure house. That's Christ. He's the one that God raised up. The faithful priest. That does all the mind of the father. And the father's building him a sure house. He's building him a church. And the verb that God uses in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is raise up. Raise up. And then concerning the king, it shall come to pass when thy days be expired that thou must go to be with thy father, that I will raise up thy seed after thee. This is to David. I raise up thy seed after thee. I'm going to raise up someone which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom, and I'll build him a house. There's this house again being built for the king, the house being built for the priest, and a faithful prophet ministering in the house. These are not three different houses. This is all the same one house that God is building up, and in that house he's given a prophet, a priest, and a king, and those are not three different persons, but that is one person in, all of, in whom all these offices are united. 
And every time the verb is used, I will raise him up. I will raise him up. And I'm saying to you that those verbs, they are echoes of the resurrection of Christ. You can't understand them and they're not fulfilled except in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're echoes of his resurrection. Now what do I mean by echoes, you say? Well, you know whenever a great earthquake comes, there are usually little tremors before it. And then there are after tremors after it. And they're like echoes. But the greatest event in human history was the death, the lying down in death of our Lord Jesus Christ and the raising of him up on the first day or the eighth day to bring in the new, the new creation. The thing that tore apart the fabric of the old creation was the resurrection of Christ. It's the most powerful event in the universe. And that event tore the fabric of the old creation and it brought in the new and that great earthquake which rent the old creation has echoes. Echoes in prophecy that go away into the past. And we have to listen to those echoes. And we interpret those echoes in the light of the earthquake that is before us. It's behind us now, of course, but it was before the prophets. And these, these echoes are echoes of his resurrection because, you see, it's God's word. And the Bible is unique. And history is not only history, it's prophetic history. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy. And he's using all these words that are echoes. Types and pictures and shadows of the one who is to come. And it is all ultimately fulfilled in the lying down of Jesus Christ. And his rising again in the glory of God. And ascending to the right hand of the Father to be the prophet, the priest and the king that we need. And so whenever we think of this verb, we, we usually think of raised up in life. Raised up from lying a little baby in the womb. Raised up in life to be a man of God, to be a prophet. Or maybe, you know, like Samuel in life, lying down in the sleep and then the Lord calls him and raises him up to be a prophet. That's the way it is for ordinary men. But they all die, you see. They all die again. They all lay down again. They rise, but they lay down again. The one that we need is one who must rise and not lie down again. And that's Jesus Christ. Him alone. So really, whenever the Holy Spirit says, I will raise me up a faithful priest, the Holy Spirit is thinking resurrection. Death and resurrection. So Christ's death and resurrection brought him into these powerful rules at God's right hand for our salvation. He was raised up to go to where he was before. Heaven. He left heaven. He died. He lay down. He arose. 
He went back to where he was before. Why? Why this whole process? Why this whole cycle? Leaving, coming down, lying down, raising, and ascending up to where he was before. Why this whole cycle? To be our saviour. And he's only our saviour as prophet, priest, and king. He needs those three roles as mediator. He's one mediator, but he has these three saving functions which are also necessary for our salvation as prophet, priest, and king. So Christ was a prophet, priest, and king on the earth, yes, but it was not until his resurrection from the dead that he entered into the full glory of these offices for the whole world and for all who believe on him. So he's raised a prophet, priest, and king from the dead. What does our shorter catechism teach? What offices doth Christ execute as our Redeemer? Christ as our Redeemer executeth the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation. And I say to you, yes, while he exercised those in his state of humiliation, prophet, priest, and king, and you can see that he did, it is especially in the universal exercise of them, in his exaltation, that he carries out these functions by the mighty power of his Holy Spirit who he has poured out upon us. So Christ is is not a prophet, priest, and king on earth. He's raised up And he's a prophet, priest, and king in heaven, in the high place, on high, at the right hand of God. And that's what the epistle to the Hebrews is all about. We've been seeing that. Melchizedek. He's not a priest on earth. He's not a priest after the order of Aaron. They all lay down again. They weren't king priests. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who is at the right hand of God, who reigns forever and ever, Psalm 110, the expounding of all of Psalm 110, as I've told you. Christ is a priest now. He's a prophet now. He's a king now. He's been raised up these three functions and it is in the glory in the high place that he exercises them. Psalm 110, the Lord said unto me, Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. That's his prophetic office. In the gospel, this rod, this rod that Moses had that devastated Egypt. Jesus Christ now at the right hand of God in the Zion has a rod, he has a staff of power. His gospel goes forth because he's a prophet like unto Moses. Reigning now at the right hand of God. Going out this power, this rod of the gospel. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. This mighty rod gets the willing people. This mighty rod gets the people to leave Egypt, to leave the world, and to go out in the power of God and follow their king. He's a prophet in Psalm 110. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, he's a priest. At the right hand of God. A priest forever. A priest perpetually. A priest who never dies again. 
a priest who lives on the power of an endless life, a priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. And Melchizedek was not only a priest, he was a king priest, king of righteousness. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, he's a king at the right hand of God. King, prophet, priest, thou shalt strike through kings in the day of thy wrath. You'll judge among the heathen. You'll fill the places with the dead body. You'll wound the heads over many countries. You're a king who reigns and governs and puts down all your enemies. It's all there in Psalm 110. Prophet, priest, and king, the three rules, but he's raised up from the dead to the right hand of God to be that. Now Paul, in Hebrews, he focuses on the priestly aspect. But he could equally have done so on the prophetic aspect or the kingly aspect. So Christ is the fulfillment of this. And that's pictured in Samuel. In this chapter before us then, in chapter 3 of Samuel, there is risen up a prophet. Verse 20. All Israel knew he was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Samuel is established to be a prophet of the Lord. Through his being raised up. How would the people put it? They would say there's risen up a prophet amongst them. They would use that verb. Just as God himself raised up a prophet in Israel. So raising up Samuel was like raising up one from the dead. God established him to be a prophet. By his mighty power. Now the first seven chapters of Samuel form a unit. The first seven chapters have bookends. Where does 1 Samuel chapter 1 begin? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. That is, he's from Ramah. He's from the vicinity of Ramah. That's where his home is. That's where his house is. You have it there in verse 19. Uh, they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. And she conceives and she bears a son. And where is he born? He's born in Ramah. That's where Samuel comes from. That's where Samuel commences his mission on earth. He comes from Ramah. And Ramah is the hill, the high place, the height. He comes from the height. He comes from the high place. And he goes down to Shiloh. So he leaves the hill. He's brought to Shiloh. And Shiloh itself has associations with Christ because Shiloh come unto him, the gathering of the people will be. So he's identified with Shiloh with the name, with a Christ name. They probably called the place Shiloh in anticipation of Messiah. We'll put the ark there. We'll put the tabernacle there. We'll call it Shiloh. Unto him the gathering of the people be. This will be the gathering in anticipation that the seed of the woman will come. Christ will come. Well, here's Samuel coming. He's coming to Shiloh. Could this be the Christ? Could this be him? It turns out it's not. But he's a picture. So he's associated with Shiloh. He's laid down in Shiloh. He rises up in Shiloh. And Samuel is, is not only a prophet. He's a priest too. 
Because didn't they make him a little ephod? Wasn't he dressed in an ephod? That's a priestly dress. And he made sacrifices. If you study his life, and we'll see this, he offered sacrifices. Only priests could offer sacrifices. He wasn't of the Aaron line. He was a Levite, but he wasn't one who was right to be priest by generation. But he's another priest in Israel. He's allowed to have this role as priest. And he's picturing the one who will go outside the Aaron line and be, belong to Judah and still become a priest. You see, it's possible to be outside the line and be a priest if God ordains it. And because Samuel is a picture of Christ, he, he, he has the priestly garments as well, as well as the prophetic mantle. And as well as that, he was a judge. Now, there was no kingly office, but the next thing to it was judge. And he brought in the kingly office, he anointed the kings, so he's identified with the kingly office, and the kings have to listen to him, because he's a prophet, and he, he is over the kings, and he rises and raises up the kings, so, so he has a kind of a, a rulership as well, an authority like a royal king. All three are kind of combined or associated with Samuel in some way or other, prophet, priest, and king. And here he is, he lays down in shadow, and he rises up, this prophet, priest, ruler, judge-like character, picturing Christ. And then if you go to the end of the section, chapter 7, the bookend of this first section, we read in verse 15, Samuel judged Israel. You see, he's not just a prophet. He judged Israel. All the days of his life, he went from year to year to circuit in Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all these places. On his return, notice this, his return was to Ramah. He went back to Ramah again. He went back to the hill country. That's where his home was. That's where his house was. He went back to where he came from. He left Ramah, he came to Shiloh, he was laid down, he rose again, he returns to Ramah. It's echoes of Christ. The one who left the Father's house, he left his own house in the hill country, in the heavenly Zion. He came down, he came down to lay down in the tomb, in the sepulchre. The door was open, he arose and went forth, he ascended, he went back to his Father's house. He went back to the hill of Zion again. He ascended up into the hill of hills to be at the right hand of the glory of God in the Father's house. And there he is, prophet, priest, and king again. And notice how, how he's identified here. What does it say there in verse 17? He built an altar. This, this is priestly work. He built an altar unto the Lord. So you have an emphasis on his priestly rule, an emphasis on his, his ruling rule as judge, and he's established to be a prophet. He's going around doing the circuit as well. Saul, come to him. There's a prophet here. He'll tell us where those lost beasts are. They know he's a prophet too in Ramah, in his house. They can go to him. Well, go to the man of God. There's a man of God in Ramah. We can go to him. He, he'll tell us all the will of God, the word of God. And to me, that's a picture of Christ. These are echoes of Christ. This is prophetic history put down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to let us see Christ. You see, Luke saw it. 
Luke saw it. That's why he takes so much of the vocabulary of these, these early chapters. The child grew. The child grew in stature and wisdom. He keeps repeating that. Just as Samuel keeps repeating that. The child Samuel grew. Or, or the, this book repeats it. The child Samuel grew. Luke takes that. Because Luke sees it. Luke sees it. He's a type of Christ. Christ is really the fulfillment. Now Samuel doesn't, doesn't turn out perfect as we shall see. Because he's not the Christ. He has thoughts. The shadow disintegrates. But it was there. But the substance comes. And it doesn't disintegrate. He is truly raised up. A prophet, priest and king. In all the eternal reality of it. At God's right hand. This is what is portrayed and pictured here. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That's now. We're not waiting for that to happen. That's now. He's reigning now. This is redemptive history which is prophetic. And it is created by the echoes and tremors of Christ's death and resurrection. And his own glorious exaltation. Because scripture history is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we have a greater than Samuel here. With Christ, that's what I'm saying. Whenever Samuel arose and opened those doors, all Israel knew he was established to be a prophet. And you see, when Christ came out of that empty tomb and the door rolled away, all the church knows he's established to be a prophet, priest, and king for us. All the church knows it. To the four corners of the earth, throughout the whole vast globe, the most distant Christian communities down to Beersheba, wherever they're found, the most distant Christian communities know of a certainty that Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, is established to be prophet, priest, and king. The stone is removed. The tomb is empty. He is not here, for he is risen. And he carries out his function of prophet, priest, and king. He opens our minds. He illuminates our minds through his word by the Holy Spirit. Because he's a prophet. He pours out his Holy Spirit that we may be brought out of the darkness into the light. Through the power of the Holy Scriptures. That takes place because Christ is a prophet at the right hand of God. He's a priest. Who by his atoning death has reconciled us to God. And we continue in the faith. Because we have a priest in glory who ever lives. Making intercession for us continually. The priest established to never cease interceding. Until we make it to glory. Into his very presence. To see him face to face. And he's the king. The king that conquers our enemies the king that subdues our sins the king that defends us from all the soul destroying enemies that we face whether the world the flesh or the devil our king restrains them and conquers them and we could have no conquering no overcoming unless we had a raised up king at the right hand of God 
And so we have in Jesus Christ all that we need. Prophet, priest and king. Receive him every day in all of those offices. Trust him every minute in all of those roads. To give you all that you need for your salvation. Come to him. Visit him. Make use of him. Look to him continually. And ever trust in him. The risen one. Who is the exalted. The ever living one. And know of a surety. He is established. To be your saviour. To him be glory. Amen. Let us pray.